Hi everyone, my name is Matus and you are listening to the third episode of Swimvenue podcast. With vision to inspire, educate, entertain and motivate swimmers wherever you are. Today, I'm excited to share with you a great inspirational talk I had with the world-class backstroker and amazing coach from Brazil, Nelson Silva. Hi Nelson, welcome to the show. I appreciate it very much. It is a great pleasure to have you on and I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. Let's start with quick introduction. Tell us a bit about yourself and how do you spend these days? All right. So first of all, hi Matus. Thanks for, for having me. I really appreciate the the opportunity. I feel flattered for, for the invitation. So uh, anyways, uh, my name is Nelson Silva. I'm 33 years old at the moment. I'm currently a swim coach and actually right at this moment, a full-time swimmer, even though we can't swim right now. But, uh, you know, I've lived in Brazil until I was 18 years old and I started my journey in America, whereas I stayed eight years where I pursued two degrees there. I also got my master's degree there. And after that, I just, uh, you know, lived the life as a professional swimmer. And, uh, well, here I am today. All right. Uh, at what age did you start swimming? Well, I started swimming, you know, uh, from what my mom says. I started when I was three months. <laughs> but I have, I have something in my mind that uh, I started that I can remember some, you know, some images. When I was three years old and then all of a sudden my uncle was just helping me in the pool. And then all of a sudden I just started swimming. So that's actually my first memory. <laughs> so what was the defining moment for you when you realized that swimming is something you want to do possibly for the rest of your life? Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard question because, you know, when you start swimming, you just don't think too far. Some people do think too far, you know. Those kids, you know, when they have that dream, when they see the Olympics on the TV and people winning a gold medal. Uh, in Brazil, we didn't have uh, Olympic gold medalists at the time, but we had a few swimmers when I remember watching. But I was already 12. I was already pretty involved into the sport. But I was just, you know, just uh, swimming, just doing multiple sports at one point, but uh, the funny thing was my father was a professional soccer player and I used to do, of course, a million sports at the same time, you know. And at one point, swimming and soccer was coming along really good. And, uh, you know, I was trying out for this uh, semi-professional, well, actually it was a professional soccer team, but it was from their age group, of course, age group. I was 12 at the time. And, uh, you know, I went to tryouts. I went in the first, second, third phase, and I finally qualified. But the training was early in the morning. Not early, early. It was in the morning, three times a week. And I used to study, you know, at that same time. For three months, I missed, you know, school. And then my mom said, no, this is a no-go. And my dad actually told me the truth. He said, you know, to become a professional soccer player right now in Brazil, even though... 
I I have connections. I used to play. It's like winning the lottery. Yeah. And then he he told me, if I were you, I would stick with swimming. And then that's what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is no no more no more competitive field than uh, football in Brazil. Yes, no, because that's uh, that's kids' ever dream, mm. you know. Because even though right now on the scene we haven't won anything, and I think in about not anything, we haven't won the World Cup in about 18 years mm. right now. Is that what it is? Yes, 2002 is now 2020. So yeah, but we still have some pretty good players coming all the time. So yeah, that's a uh, and soccer it's big here. So everybody has a club team or most of everybody has a club team to support to mm-hmm. so yeah what is your what is your, what is your favorite club oh mine is sao paulo sao paulo <laughs> is, is sao paulo the city yes. where you, where you were born and where you are from exactly i was born in the hospital basically next to the stadium <laughs> so perhaps it was just uh, you know a coincidence there yeah <laughs> And uh, then you moved to US. That's correct. Uh, what did you study in US? Well, I study sports science, mm-hmm. I study nutrition, and also have a degree in me uh, a master's degree in sports nutrition. Okay. How was it different from Brazil? How was the training and the whole experience uh, different from Brazil? Uh, well, fortunately, you know. Looking back now, what my first coach did it to me, you know, he uh, provided a very solid base, whereas I could go anywhere in the world and I was going to be able to train, you know. But uh, it was very, I would say it was very different from what it was in Brazil. You know, uh, with my first coach, We were more like, you know, swimming more, but at slower pace, but a lot more. Like sometimes even I've done one 17K in a session, long course. And uh, uh, the other club where I went afterwards, it was, it was more oriented, I would say, more divided, more, uh, how can I say, more specific swimming sort of thing, you know, more... Um, more physiologically sort of, but uh, when I went first went to the US, you know, it was just, I would say a mental training, you know, because you have to go fast every day and you have to be good every day. You know, there's no room for slacking off. So I grown up a lot. And also the parts that we do out of the water, the dry lands or what was very different from what we used to. So I really enjoy the dryland work, you know? So I, uh, uh, to me, it was at the beginning, it was, it was hard to adapt because of the training, but I actually liked it. The intensity was high and the volume was high. So it was a mixture of what I had in Brazil, but combined. <laughs> Yeah, you are now well known as a great backstroker. So did you choose backstroke or did backstroke choose you? Actually, you know, I th- I would say I'm known as a kicker. You know, I I could kick. I can still kick a little bit. Uh-huh. But uh, to be honest with you, backstroke was my 
last stroke to be developed, mm -hmm. you know? So as I said, I was a distance swimmer in Brazil when I went to the sprint club sort of thing. Uh, to go to nationals championship, the easiest way was by doing the 400 medley. And of course, with the wall short course, I was able to do it. I was uh, actually a distance and a flyer. And, uh, you know, the medley just started coming along with more like the 200 fly as I wouldn't swim as much. Or maybe back then I wouldn't believe that the program would make me good at the distance swimming. I become better at the shorter events. But finally, I realized that it doesn't work that way, that I could do, actually, you know, manage to do well in every event as long as I believed. So anyways, once I got to America, I was like, you know, now my distance swimming is going to go through the roof, you know. And my coach there, Doug Funder of Virginia Tech, um, not Virginia Tech, sorry, Virginia Gators in Roanoke, he, uh, he saw my kick right away. He was like, you're not swimming distance ever again. You're like, you know, I was like, are you crazy? I must do it. I can't do anything else. No, you're going to use your kick, you know? So I started, I, I tried my hardest, you know, but especially with dry land, I was growing up, you know, I could train distance, but again, my results were just not representing what I was doing in training. However, my other strokes were were coming to place. So butterfly was coming good. Medley was getting was getting pretty good, but I always struggle with the breaststroke, still do. Mm. Uh, but I have been able to figure it out a little bit better. And uh and backstroke also came. So therefore, you know, uh I just started, you know, doing multiple events, which was the easiest way for me to get in college. You know, when you have a range of events. Mm it's better than just having one event if you're looking for a full scholarship, which it was a must for me in order to stay in the U.S., you know? So, uh, so yeah, and uh, when I went to college, I was a medley flyer. And the third event was backstroke. In my second year, you know, I actually became more backstroker, mm -hmm. and then the distance just started reducing, not because I wanted, but maybe because... Now, I started doing more dry land or maybe just because my body was, you know, being able to learn how to sprint, you know. So, but I'm not, even though I swim sprint races right now, I don't consider myself a, a pure sprinter, mm -hmm. you know. So, I guess I just have to, to nail and be well at it. I can train hard and I can, you know, train a lot of aerobic, but right now I'm very successful at the um, the short distance backstroke events and some fly here here and there. Uh, every now and then I like to play with some IM to keep it in perspective and having some fun with the sport and not just uh, you know be always in one event. Having a lot other things to be working on. So after college, you know, like as I was coming down in college. From 200, 100, and just started backstroke, backstroke, 200, 150. And now finally, I'm just a 150 swimmer. <laughs> and how has your training changed since your junior years? A lot, <laughs> a lot. Because first of all, uh, when I was 17, 18, 19, uh, you know, I was training here. Uh, well, I was training a little bit in Brazil and I was training, of course, there's a transition in uh, in America. 
as I said, it was very, very much more oriented, more like a mid-distance pace. I used to train with this guy called Lucas Salada. He was Olympian from Brazil, 400 medley. When he was 16 or 17, if I'm not mistaken, back then he went to Athens with a 419 or 418. Mm-hmm. He also attended University of Florida, whereas I think he was second place in NCAAs in, I don't remember when, 2006, I think, or five. Something like that. So it was more middle distance oriented. And when I went to, you know, America, it was just crazy pounding. You know, it was every day hard, 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 hard. Regardless, there was sometimes Friday afternoon we get an easy practice because we knew it on Saturday morning. We had uh, a three to four hours workout. So anyway, it has changed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And that's the reasons that we have to, we've been able to swim the short distance events a whole lot better, you know. So he has, back then, you know, 50 and 100 was considered sprint. But now 50 and 100, you have to trade totally different, you know. So it's a totally different event. And now it's very much more specific into the water for, for what you need, you know. But but that doesn't mean that a 13, 14, 15 years old doesn't have to go through not the same process, but something similar, you know, in order to be able to train very specific in water, maybe train less, but the intensity has to be higher. When I mean intensity higher, you know, that doesn't mean you're going to do 100, 100, holding 110, you know. If you're not, if you want to hold one minute, why are you going to go one day? You have to swim at specific pace or otherwise it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So how much time do you spend uh, working on technique now? You know, I found out through the years and then, of course, uh, I was very able to, uh, very fortunately to train one of the greatest coaches at all times in the U.S., well, two of them, you know, one was Eddie Reese at mm-hmm. University of Texas. The other one was Dave Salem mm-hmm. at University of Southern California. And, you know, like uh, technique work is not that you're going to do a drill and you're going to become better. You know, you have to think all the way through practice. You have to figure out what's wrong. You know, you have to get different point of views from different people in order to improve. You know, when I was at Texas, you know, Eddie would correct us every day. But at least two to three times a week, he would say some other people to correct us because you get that feedback from different people. And then you finally realize once your brain just gets tired to get the same information, they are not be able to change. And, you know, and also Sailor was the same idea. You're only able to change at very, 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 very slow speed or a very, very, very high pace. Mm-hmm. So that's how your brain acquired new skills. So, so yeah, but uh, so uh, getting back to your question, you know, from the first stroke in the water to the last stroke in the water, I'm thinking about it. So, so when you were swimming under the coach Dave Salo, did the training consisted mostly of two extremes? I mean, uh, slow swimming, focusing on technique and high intensity. I, I would say, I would say it was either slow or either fast, but mostly fast. You mm-hmm. know, we would do lots of sculling drills, changing direction drills, or 
swimming with Pac-Man paddles, you know, where you grab the paddle just at the beginning of the paddle or swim with uh, inverted paddles, you know. So we, we would do sometimes drills, but actually mostly of the changes would occur when it would be swimming fast. Mm-hmm. You know? And also have your regress ratio changed over the years? Yeah, yeah. Well, back in the days, I could do many sessions back to back to back to back and nonstop and always be better, 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 better. Mm-hmm. I can kind of still do it, but I feel it on my body. I feel it on my mood. I feel all my energy, you know, as the sport has been scientifically, scientifically been improving, you know, I can see on my uh, blood tests, you know, like. I almost overtrained four times just because of that. So now I have more control, a little bit more sense of my body. And if I do, for instance, one very hard session one day, uh, it would take, it depends what kind of session we were working on. It's going to take two to three, sometimes four days. So I can feel all right. Okay. Uh, All right. Again. And uh, especially with uh, the addition of weights, and uh, swimming with doing strength in water, uh, you get really fatigued. You know, sometimes you don't feel fatigue, yep. but just the neural central system is very fatigued. So, in order for you to be better and actually always swimming at a certain pace, mm-hmm. you have to. Everybody's different. You know, everybody's different. So you have to be able to to manage your you rest properly in order to perform well at the other session. Otherwise, if you're not performing well, you're you're not going anywhere. You know, 99 is not 100. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that uh, aerobic training is important for sprinters? I, I think so at some degree. It depends upon, upon on your season. You know, it depends what age you are. It depends what... It, it depends. Mm-hmm. That's the... That's of the day on training. It really depends how old are you. It depends on your background. It, it depends what kind of sprinting we're talking. It depends. But to me, I'm not, I'm not going to say it's the most important, but it is important. Mm. I mean, uh, what individual in your life has been the most inspiring for you? Well, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's very hard to say just one, you know, but definitely my parents, mm-hmm. my family, you know, along with uh, my, my grandmother, we had a very difficult beginning of our early ages, especially them, not for me, they've been able to, to provide working everything, uh, worth working very hard for it. So um, everything that was sort of achievable, they really, 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 you know, strive to to get it to me, and uh, I really, um, I really appreciate that, very deeply appreciate that. But uh, as far as it coming to sports, you know, growing up, well, actually today is May first. You know, it's 26 years of death of uh, Ayrton Senna, which was a Formula mm-hmm. One driver, considered one of the greatest. So he was he was basically a, a national hero. Mm. So yeah, it was it was always good to see him on Sundays, most of the time winning or some or in a podium. But uh, 
Yeah, those, I think those two are my strongest inspiration. You know, I can get inspired in so many things, you know, like sometimes if I do do bad at training or sometimes I don't coach well, I get inspired to do better. But when it comes into to swimming, you know, uh, I admire, you know, it's kind of funny. I was just thinking through the other day, I actually never admire the truly winners, you know, I always admire the underdogs. Mm. Uh, for instance, you know, uh, I enjoy watching Grant Hacken when he was racing me on tour, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Grant Hacken winning the Olympics in 2004 with, uh, I think it was, he had a collapse on his lung. It, that was something unbelievable that his doctor said he was not going to be able to race and he, he won it anyway. You know, as you see, after the 1500, he wins and he's shaking in 04. You know, uh, so Hackett is one. Um, uh, there is also when I started watching, when I, you know, when I started swimming, my uh, I started swimming, actually training with a lifeguard. He gave me a, a VHS, you know, back in the day. And then I was watching the Swimming World Cup in Rio in uh you know, I saw Thomas Rupra mm -hmm. at the time, you know, Dolphin came like crazy, yeah. which, which was not very cool. And then I saw Ian Thorpe, you know, back then in 1998, also using a Dolphin kick. And I saw, you know, uh, Michael Klee, Michael Klims, you mm -hmm. know, Dolphin kick as well. So I was very inspired by them. So, yeah, I think up until 2004 or five, it was... It was definitely Grant Hackett. And then that changed a little bit as I was in America. I started appreciating more of, you know, uh, Lochte and Pierso, you know. So it was Eric Van too, you know, just because of the story of working really hard. So I've always liked the underdogs who really worked hard. Yeah, when we're talking about underdogs, uh, it reminds me of the South African uh, 4x1 freestyle relay in Athens 2004 when they absolutely dominated the race from start to finish. And uh, it is still one of my favorite Olympic races. Oh, yes. yes, Oh, yes. Especially back then, you know, uh, especially at my age, I was not very much involved into the swimming world, you know, so I wouldn't know. So it was shocked. You know, everybody's shocked. <laughs> yeah. I am one of the swimmers that have faster breaststroke than backstroke. So the following question could be a little strange from me. But uh, what do you think is the key to success in backstroke? In backstroke, oh, definitely, definitely, definitely body position. Mm. Body position, in my opinion, is the key component for backstroke or any other stroke. Once you got that position, got a good streamline on you, it's easy to make changes. Mm -hmm. You know, so and after that is definitely coordination. You know to stay balanced and control and how be able to either uh, speed up with that coordination or getting more coordinated or, and, uh, you know, or able to sustain speed. Mm -hmm. So, but you can only do that with a good body position. And that's my opinion. Huh? <laughs> Is there a big difference in swimming long course and a short course for backstrokers? To me, it's a different sport. <laughs> Long course and short course, it's a different sport. Totally, 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 totally. Yeah, short course is more, more underwater, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, it's, it's more underwater, it's more powerful, it's more skillful. I'm not going to say long course is not skillful because swimming fast, just the stroke itself, it's, it's really tiring and demanding. And you need to have a great body line. You have to have a, a great stroke. So whereas short course, you have to be explosive. You have to be able to carry speed. I think like short course is the ability to generate most velocity mm -hmm. into every turn or every 25 or, or every lane. Whereas long course, it's the ability to sustain speed. You mentioned watching some of the indicators as blood, for example, in your training. So what are some of the indicators you watch in order to not overtrain yourself? Yeah, well, there, there are a lot of things that you can see that you're, you're getting overtrained or not. First, I think to me is first quality of sleep. You know, once I started mm -hmm. not getting enough sleep just because I feel too tired, that's one indicator. Mm -hmm. The second one, if I started getting a little sick, you know, if my lips are starting, you know, to break it, or I still, or I feel a little bit more thirsty, you know, but every three weeks I'm measuring blood. So okay. uh, I know, I know, you know, like my fatigue levels, it's, it's uh, different than the other people, mm -hmm. different than the other swimmers, or he says my CPK and uh, PCR which is the creatine phosphokinases, mm -hmm. uh, it's higher than other individuals. So it's not gonna be it's not gonna be the same. You know, it's usually three times more than normal value. But if it's way more than three times, which has been once or three times, over 10 times more. So it's a pretty good indicator there, you know, testosterone levels, you know, quality of sleep, your mood, you know. Mm -hmm. So If I start even actually to be a little bit more swallowed than I am, I'm retaining some water. So there, there are lots of indicators. So we, I've been able to control a little bit more using some, you know, tables to, to measure. Like the P, we call here in Brazil, it's a PSC. It's a table from zero to 10 and then mm -hmm. you, you measure the amount of effort that you have done for the session and the amount of effort that the actually session required. So, and then you, 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 you measure the internal and external load. So lots of things, questionnaires and questionnaires all the time. So, but the true indicator, in my opinion, it's uh, the clock, you know, the clock doesn't lie. You can have some yeah. days off the clock, the heart rate, the lactate levels, and the efficiency of your stroke. So those are the easy things that you can measure without having much science behind. So uh, you studied sports science and nutrition. So was it something that brought you a big advantage to your swimming? Sometimes it can be too much. Uh, sometimes <laughs> it can really be too much. But I've always liked... Uh, nutrition since i was 14 and i went to my first nutritionist i always have a problem with my weight even training mm -hmm. a lot i've always had to to manage uh but ever since i've always know that i wanted to be a nutritionist and and they, after years and i also realized why not combine you know the sport with nutrition so i try to be both at the same time but uh you know sometimes 
the best swimmers, I'm going to say, they're very smart, mm-hmm. but they also play dumb, mm-hmm. you know? So, so sometimes you have, have just to be dumb and not think too much yeah. and just do it. Because if you think too much, you're, you're, you get caught up. So, yeah, doing too much study for, you know, for elaborate your training program. Yeah, but you cannot, mm-hmm. if you're going to execute it, don't think too much. Just do it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on uh, swimmers' nutrition? I mean, uh, every swimmer burns a lot of calories during the day. So then is it even more important to have a more quality fuel? Yeah. So what are your thoughts on supplements and additional resources for your body besides food? Yeah, it's, uh, it's huge. It's definitely huge. You know, nutrition... Nutrition, nutrition and sleep has such a major role in performance. You know, if you are five uh, percent, let's say from zero to one hundred, and if you're five percent dehydrated, mm-hmm. it can impact negatively about thirty percent on your overall performance just oh. by drinking water. Mm-hmm. If you're not fully hydrated, if you're just at 95%, you can go down to 70% of your performance. Mm-hmm. So that's huge just by water. You know, I think first, before thinking about supplements, you have to fill out the pie of eating. You know, if mm-hmm. you can get the stuff, you can get the calories, you can get the vitamins, through eating, then you're going to think about uh, supplementing, you know, as the word says, supplements, you know, it's not the actual food, it's addition. It is even possible to get the amount of nutrients and uh, energy needed for your body just from the food? Uh, I think so. I think so. But it depends up on your training mm-hmm. and also depends on you. It's very individual. Of course, as we get older, we need more uh, in more supplements in order to to recover. Mm-hmm. But if you are an age group swimmer, I would definitely yeah. not recommend it. Yeah. So, what is your approach to supplementation of young swimmers, especially when they are taking something that they sometimes don't know much about? Beside believe that it should enhance their performance somehow? For for younger swimmers, you know, definitely in order to take anything, it has to be it has to be asked or it has to be requested either by a physician such as doctor or nutritionist. You know, uh If Google was a good tool, it is a good tool, <laughs> but if it was a good tool, we would have lots of Dr. Googles. Yeah, so that's definitely. a no-go. So you have to go to somebody that uh, actually study or, you know, or, or it's very good in the field. Not study, study it's a must, but it has to be certified on that position in order for you to take anything, you know, responsible with responsibility, especially now with, with doping and, uh, you know, the supplements are very contaminated. Yep. So just nice, just not buying anything, but make sure you talk with somebody, make sure, you know, it's a uh, water approved. Yeah. So just try to play the safest role as possible. Mm. 
Well, I think sometimes it is just a shortcut to get to a level they want to be without putting an extra hard work. Uh, I mean, it is long-term thinking versus short-term thinking, in my belief. Yeah, exactly. You you already answered the question. You know, it really depends. You know, if you want to be you want to be successful with whatever you have, or if you want to take something and be successful, but you're gonna damage the rest of your life, or is it worthwhile? Yeah. So then you have you have to think. You know, but uh. You, you've already answered. It really depends upon you. It really depends on what you want to do. It really depends on your character, on your personality. Mm. So, I mean, I have a last question about your swimming career, and then I would like to jump to your coaching career. Uh, so, uh, yeah, what was your most memorable race as a swimmer? It's it's a difficult one, <laughs> but I think. I think it was it was because of the scenario. It was because I work truly two two years or more just thinking about that moment. And everything happened in that competition. Everything you could possibly imagine. <laughs> as far as you know, just my suit, but the rest or, or my goggles, maybe even my goggles fill up with a little bit of water. I don't remember. But anyways, I think it was NECAA 2008, whereas I won the 200 backstroke on the very, very, very last day, very last race. And I think it was my 16th or 14th swim, swimming, swimming that in three days. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing triples, backs, uh, triples, doubles, back to back, you know. So the first day, uh, the first day I, uh, we had, I only had the 200 medley relay. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, I was not a true sprinter, but in training, I could go pretty fast because I was just fast. I was just relaxed, but I didn't know how to swim fast at 50. I had no idea how. I thought it was just, you know, people, people say 50s are so easy, you know, just, just, just uh, you know, uh, just swing your arms and just go, and that's exactly what I did. I was too tense. I just spun my wheels, and uh, we qualified first. You know, almost breaking the national record, and we finished fourth. I had such a bad lead off. You know, I was going the times that I was going at training from the push with a drag suit on shape. Mm-hmm. and I was I can't believe it. I'm such in a good shape, you know, and I did that, you know. And the next day, I don't remember exactly the events that I had, but I think it was the 400 medley, 400 I am, 100 back in uh, the 400 medley relay. So the 400 medley, you know, I I just swam. I just swam and I felt good and relaxed. So when I finished, I didn't want to t- see the scoreboard. I just went directly to the one down pool because I had so many races. And uh, when I saw it, I dropped like six seconds on my personal best time. Like, wow, was, this is great. You know, even though it, was, it wasn't my main event. And then just 30 minutes later, I go and swim 100 back, very nice and relaxed. I don't push it very much, just enough to in the heat. And I swim, I don't know, 1.5 off my best. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, and I go seated first. And then later, later, there's the 400 medley, really. And I lead off exactly at the same time that I did and we also qualified first or second I don't remember 
So anyway, in finals, the 400 medley, and people ask me, uh, what are you going to uh, So you look so good at the 400 medley, you know? And uh, what are you going to do tonight? I, was, I don't think I can swim any faster. <laughs> but people say, you look so relaxed. Uh, yeah, but I think and exactly what happened at final. I swam exactly the same time the 400 medley. So, and there, there I go for the 100 back, you know, like, I remember the goal at the meet for me was to win the 200 back. I never thought that I had the possibility to win the 100 back. To me, my main goal at the meet was to be a top three finisher in all my events, mm -hmm. you know, but to win or have a chance to win 100 back, it was not in my head. And so I tried too hard the 100 back in the evening. And, uh, you know, I think I finished third. And I was, of course, disappointed. But uh, anyways, they, uh, so I swam the 400 medley, I swam the 100 back in the evening, and then we had a chance to win the 400 medley at final, finals, 400 medley relay at finals. And, uh, and guess what? I disqualified the relay, you know. Oh. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't believe. There, there is a coach, um, his, name, his last name is Schneider from uh, a rival university. And uh, after that, really, I just, I was, I can't believe this is happening to me. I prepared so hard for, for two years, you know, I went through, through hell, like hell, hell, hell. But my coach in Virginia uh, on that summer before the NCAA, NCAA championship, he told me, he, we had a meeting. He said, you know, I have no question in my mind that uh, you will win next year. You know, and I just, I couldn't believe it because I did unbelievable things at training in 2006, that summer of, actually that summer of 2007 that I still remember, that I was never, ever capable to do that ever again. I've done it not similar. I mean, I have done another perspective, but the same perspective, I was just like a, an animal in a cage, you know? Yeah. So anyways, and then I disqualified the relay. The coach, you know, just, just give me a paper that I still remember, that I still have it, you know? And uh, I, uh, what did you say? It, it, it was something like adversity reveals character. Mm -hmm. Just that, boom. What, what is he trying to say? You know, I just forgot and I said thank you. Of course, I was very disappointed. I, I couldn't couldn't believe it. I get very emotional. I cried. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. You know, like it was. I feel so great in water, and every day I was feeling so great. You know, I remember being very anxious about the competition where I didn't sleep for almost one week. You know, so anyways. We go into the next day. I think it was, I don't remember which races was. I think it was the 200 fly. Yeah, I think that day was just a 200 fly and then the 200 free, mm -hmm. you know. So, and then the 200 fly, I just swim just, just enough, just good to, to make it back. And I just want to do my best because I definitely, that was not for me. It was for the team, you know. So, but I, I really enjoyed swimming the 200 fly. To me, it came very easy because it was more like being controlled and relaxed and uh, using your walls. And then after that, I uh, just uh, just 20 minutes later, I let off the 200 free, the 200, the 800 free relay. And then I negative split it, you know, uh, at that time. And and then I was just very, very, very 
half that now. So the next day we go into the the final, the, the 200 back, mm. the prelims of 200 back, and I I started to feel a little fatigue, you know. And then I told my coach, I'm just gonna, just uh, just gonna, you know, uh, try to save up some energy because I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit fatigued, but it's still feeling pretty good in the water. But it was also, also a way to for me to take the pressure away mm-hmm. from from myself, which I was I was carrying. You know, it's just not outside pressure. Definitely, I think the pressure is just. It's between your two ears. It's in your head. You know, you're you're the only person that pressure yourself. There is no external pressure. I mean, there is, but it's up to you to to let it get it inside of your head or not. So, anyways, I swam good. I think at the 150 mark, I was uh, at the national record pace, and then I remember shutting down the last 50, and they hurt so much so much so that's the devices for swimmers you know when you're swimming a very good pace don't shut it down don't slow down just just complete if you have the opportunity you know but as as you have seen you know michael phelps you've never seen him going easy Mm. in the morning or any races you know he definitely took to the next level it was olympic final it was i mean it was a ring Olympic prelims was semifinals. You could see he always took to the next level. He, he yeah. could just make it enough to qualify, but he never did that. So that's uh, that's actually amazing and inspiring, you know. So that's what that's why he did what he did, you know. So anyway, so we came into the final, you know. So I was, you know, is this year? There's I don't know how next year it's gonna be. There's just this year. And and there I go, you know. I was I was swimming, you know. I just tried to feel fast and relaxed. I remember having having this guy from the the one last year next to me, and he was my one of my full motivations just to the whole year to be training. I was always thinking about it, and you know, I was I I'll see him. He was out swimming me, but I was having a faster turn. And I was having a faster underwater kick. And then all of a sudden, I see on my left side, you know, there's this big Ukrainian guy. He was almost two meters tall with his big arms, you know. And I, I could see that I was ahead, you know. But when I turned to the 125, you know, mm-hmm. it was it was hurting. It was already hurting. And, you know, it didn't hurt at the meat like how bad it did at that one, mm-hmm. you know. It didn't hurt at all. To me, I thought, you know, I was not going to hurt because I, I, the, whole, whole, the whole season, I was just bringing back home strong. When I turned the 150, I was like, oh, my gosh. At the 175, I could barely turn. And then that's when I remember talking with my coach, Jim Dan. You know, that was the, the very last national championship of his. Uh, before he retired and I remember when I went to talk to him you know because I was feeling pressure and, and I could see a little bit of the anxiety from, from my team of a, a true chance of winning a championship and uh, I just told I, I just before the race I was like you know I, I at that time I didn't go to ask for instructions or anything but at that time I just went there I just want to advise and I actually told him 
you know, uh, I'm just gonna just gonna do just gonna do as best as I can. It wasn't exactly in those words. I'll try my best. I'll do my best. And he just said it. I believe you. But he said, regardless what happens on their race, Lester, stay on the water. Mm-hmm. Stay on the water. Stay on the water. I was okay. And so I went to the 175. I see those huge Ukrainian arms coming, you know, and then that's one thing I just did. I stay on the water as much as I could. And then I fatigued badly. But as you see the splits, I didn't. But I felt very fatigued. I think just because the excessive amount of racing and then, of course, not sleeping enough. And then I touched the wall and I just, you don't want to see the clock again. I, was, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. And then I look around and then there's a friend of mine, a great friend of mine, the one that I talked about earlier that uh, used to swim for the same club team that was going to go to America and actually helped me out well, well back in Brazil in 2004 or three, And then that's 2008. And he was swimming for a different university. And then he was celebrating. I just didn't look at the clock. I just, you know, celebrate, celebrate quietly. And, uh, but, oh man, it was, I think, one of the most painful races that I've ever done. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Yeah, I think it was an incredible story of the power of a mind also. I think uh, there are a lot of swimmers, also me, when I was at the competition and the first race of the competition was not as expected. Then my mind was able to throw away the whole competition to garbage, you know. And uh, I thought to myself, when I don't swim well on my first race, I will not swim well on another as well. So how do you deal with race pressure? To be honest with you, I've always had troubles with it, you know, because my expectations was always too high or sometimes my coach's expectations to do my training was high. So we could feel, feel a little bit of that anxiety. As at the end of my career, I started traveling a whole more, especially by myself. I started to find out things, how it would work. And of course, researches and of course, being able to train and, you know, be friends with one of the best, best swimmers in the world. So I started picking on them and, and learning and learning, you know. So most important, I think you just have to leave them on, you know. If you are between prelims and finals, what do you have to do at that point? You know, ask yourself. You have to rest. So you do whatever you have to do to rest. You just have to think when you're there at the pool, well, actually not even there anymore. Every, everything there should be automatically. You should be nervous during training, you know, yeah. and then you have to just enjoy, enjoy the competition. But uh, you have to, I've, you know, I was once reading, well, back in the days as well, the Michael Phelps book, I think after just 08. And there is one thing that I've applied to my whole career ever, I mean, ever since which was he said why you know but why was dividing what or i mean i'm sorry not why it was when and what's when it's what's important now so what was important now what's important now before you know when you're there in your hotel room it's to rest it's to sleep it's to chill Mm -hmm. you know what's important there in the call room is to to focus on yourself, keep calm, cool, collected. What's uh, when you're racing there? You, 
there is no room for you to think on a number or, or, or a place. You have to take step by step. You have to take, you know, how are you going to position yourself on the starting blocks? Uh, how many dolphin kicks? How big is going to be your dolphin kicks? How is your breakout going to be? Your stroke cycle? Uh, which side of your body you have to be connected more? What do you have to do? For instance, my left hand is not as good as the right hand, you know. So all those those little things. I think if you do by process, step by step, is, is the best thing that you can do. Or a night before, what you're going to do? You know, you're going to think about the race. What for? Why are you going to waste such energy? Yeah. You know? So I think as I, uh, it, you know, it takes time for you to learn. But the more the more experience you have, the better you get at it. You know, so yeah. you just have to work and see what finds out for you. But I think focusing on the process is is the best thing that you can do. And during competitions, did you enjoy cheering of people at stadium, or do you prefer to put your headphones on and be in your own zone? Truly, it, it depends. Uh, if nowadays, nowadays I go to an international competition. I get to one hour and a half before my race. I do 30 minutes uh, sort of like dry land warm up in land before I get in water. I get in water one hour before my race. So I have everything time basically. So I get out of the water 30 minutes prior to my race. I go put my racing suit on and I go to the call room. So that's the way I found to manage my anxiety. So mm -hmm. not much thinking. So you just you just go. So that was a great thing that I've, I've learned, especially with Eddie Ruiz and some of the athletes in America. Because here in Brazil, the athletes used to, you know, finish your warm-up one hour, two hours before the race. That can generate lots of amount of uh, anxiety. So anyways, uh, when I was, and you know, when I'm there, I'm just using my my earphones for a warm-up. And then whenever I go to the car room, I just want to feel everything. You know, I want to look at the people and see how they react and see if they're nervous. And, you know, you see, if you see that guy is nervous, so he already, he already gives you a little bit more, more confidence. So, mm -hmm. so I only use the, uh, the headphones just to warm up, not even on the way to my phone because I want to appreciate the things around. Uh, that moment of driving is just me trying to be connected with my body and my mind. And... Uh, And yeah, is if I'm traveling with the team, you know, of course, after my race is done, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be supporting them. Yeah, so or even with a friend, I will be supporting them. So let's jump to coaching career. Uh, tell me, when did you get to coaching? Well, actually, it, that it started when I have just moved to America. You know, it was back mm -hmm. in 2005. I had to, I had to work to provide it for myself in order to be there and train mm -hmm. so very i was very lucky by the my coach there and also the club owner to help me some you know age group swimmers to to develop and i knew it ever since they wanted to do it um so and also in college we also had a club team there which i would coach part-time Um, so yeah, I, I did that as well when I was in college and then went to LA and I also had to, to work to provide a little bit. 
myself. So I worked for the Lane Kreisenberg School, mm-hmm. and then and then here in Brazil about the same. And then when it was about 2018, I uh, you know I was offered a job in uh, Germany to be a head coach. I felt like that was a perfect moment to, because in my opinion, I was going to be ending my career in December of 2018, which I did. And uh, Anyhow, I'm back into the sport. Uh, so yeah, I was a head coach there. And then um, finally here, also coaching a law school here in Brazil. So, How did you like the German experience? It was it was good. It was was good, you know, like there's always pros and cons, but, uh, you know, every every opportunity that you have to go to a different place and apply what you know best, it's it's good. Of course, it was it was not easy, different culture, different language, you know, Mm. uh, different everything. But I've always liked the challenges. So I've always liked to expose myself. So so it was good. And uh, I felt it was very, very successful. So at least in my point of view. Yeah. How is the mentality of uh, of swimmers or uh, what is the mentality of swimming environment in Germany different from Brazil? I can't say much, but I had experience with uh, European swimmers, you know, uh, since college. my One of my roommates, it's Hungarian. So mm-hmm. I was in Budapest just a year and a half ago for for his wedding. And I also had people from France and all different parts of the world, especially when I was training at USC. So I found, I found uh, um, people as well, especially I moved to to US where people believe that they actually can't regardless, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're always believing. It's a little bit, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit, a negative in my point of view mm-hmm. but uh that's just the way just the way people are but it was such a pleasant job for me in order to try to change those kids and athletes attitude which they have accepted and that's basically one of the reasons that they succeed so the major role of the coach is it's not always to you know be positive positive yes it is but it's just uh you know uh, encourage the athlete that encourage the athlete to to do and to believe that they if they trust process so it was a very very unique experience in that in that sense you know so in just a short period of time I could see such a big development, not the swimming specific. Swimming specific, it was ridiculously improved, but just how they were behaving out of water. So it was very grateful. <laughs> I was very grateful for that opportunity. All right. Uh, and Nelson, what do you believe is your unique approach or unique coaching proposition? Uh, it's, a, it's a complicated question, but... I'd, Yeah, and fortunately enough, I was able to travel around the world and be with one of the best coaches and athletes around the world. So I every every day of my routine, you're gonna be traces of some of the coaches. I, was, I study a lot. I 
I invest a lot of time on trying to learn from different coaches, you know, different aspects of, you know, performance. And I, I try to apply on a daily, daily basis. But things that I'm very big with, you know, big uh, with, I'm very big with technique. Uh, mm -hmm. The swimmer is just going through the motions, even though if he's not having a good day, he has to be trying to swim good or try to get something out of it. You know, it's not every day they're going to be feeling best, but you can uh, you can be doing poor turns. You cannot breathe in and out of the water. You cannot, uh, you know, have a bad breakout or stuff like that. You, you have to be working at least on something, you know, not even if it's just one thing. So I'm very big with that. And I'm very, I'm not, I'm not gonna, uh, and I'm very picky also. One of the things that I found in America and realized as a professional swimmer for many ages is the mental aspect. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't want to have the best swimmers or the fastest swimmers. Of course, I do at some point them, them to develop as fast as they can be. But I want the swimmers, you know, to work as, as hard as they can, you know, because if they work hard, they will get to eventually where they want to be. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be beating a lot of people. Uh, so if they work hard, they get better, they will be beating a lot of people. So I'm very, very, I pick on the mental aspects of the swimming because they're at the Olympic final, especially if you go into the sprinting events, sometimes into distance events too. Uh, the mental aspect because everybody trained the same, everybody is slept, everybody uh, has done their nutrition. But what's gonna dif differentiate you from the others is the mental aspect. So I'm very big with that, and I try to expose them to to challenges every day. You mm. know, doing some, something that they thought it was not gonna be possible. You know. Uh, changing the training approach, changing, always thinking out of the box and, uh, you know, uh, just uh, stimulating that that they can do whatever they want to do. So I also try to think as much out of the possible, but I mean, think, think out of the box as much as possible, but of course, leaving the principles there. Yeah, I mean, uh, there is one nice saying from, uh, you know, Wim Hof, the Iceman. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh -huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He told that uh, your body won't go where your mind will not push it. Uh, so I think also that, uh, especially in sprinting and relays, that all athletes are almost equally prepared physically. But uh, what uh, differentiate them is the mind and how they can handle the pressure uh, of, you know, I don't know, the, maybe one of the most viewed even in the world. Uh, so uh, what do you, co do you consider mental training as an important part of the sport? Definitely. If, if it's not the most important part, you know, let's, uh, let's start it with uh, how important is mental training. You know, just listening now this quarantine period, I was listening to uh, Gary Howe Jr. talking about. Mm -hmm. That was 04. Because he told me on the interview that uh, how well he was not, he wasn't prepared to the 2004 Olympic Games. You know, he was not prepared. But uh, he walked into the final and and he looked, you know, 
he looked there, he saw the end of the pool, he saw the skies and said, before he went to the blocks, the starting box, he goes, this is it. I have to push it through, you know, because he was not physically fit, you know, although he knew it, or he was going to be capable to do it. He knew where he was and he knew it that he could do it, you know. So, yeah, so definitely it was a, a mental strength there, you know. Uh, nobody wins back-to-back titles, especially in the sprinting events. It's not a coincidence if you don't have a strong mind. You know, you can win here and there and then maybe disappear. But winning back-to-back events is very, very, very mental, I would say. Yeah. Some of the other tips that I can, you know, uh, to give to athletes, I think is basically focus on the moment, focus on what you can do now. Uh, don't, don't live ahead of your time. Don't live behind. Just, just leave it now. Of course, nowadays, you know, especially now with this quarantine period, you know, uh, visualization, uh, yoga, you know, learn how to breathe properly. You know, those are just the things now, you know, how to being able to manage stress now, you know, uh, it's a really important tool right now. But uh, as I feel like you just have have to leave the moment you've done the work there just leave leave your life you know do whatever you have to do but don't be living you know swimming 24 hours a mm-hmm. day you know just you're there training you do train you get home and stretch stretch but you know try to have some quality time think out of the box just don't narrow yourself try to learn a new skill you know uh, hang out with uh, different people not just swimming people you know the world is huge mm-hmm. it's huge there's no reason for you to be caught up in one thing it is good don't get me wrong but why are you doing it when you're doing it do it fully so yeah i definitely agree with you uh what is your approach to meditation well That's something, you know, that I've really, really, really upset, that I'm upset about it, that I should have done before in my career, mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't know how. But nowadays are so easy to do it. Uh, there are so many apps that you can know, can do it, you know. It's such a valuable tool because you can control basically yourself. You can lower anxiety levels. It's such a big level. You know, you have the control of your body. So, uh, actually, uh, on this period of time, I'm spending more time on that because I've realized what I like the most is, of course, there are some technical problems, but uh, it's just to be extra confident, you know, it's just mm-hmm. to, to believe in myself that I could do it or manage my energy levels. So, yes, I've been, I've been doing that basically every day, you know, that and visualization. I've been, you know, I think I've been, Before, I just used to do it the week before the competition, but that, that doesn't work. A brain is, is just a regular muscle. It has to be trained as well. And, uh, it will take you some time to figure it out. For some people, less than the others, but everybody has your own rhythm. So, so yeah, I think it's uh, unbelievable too. Yeah, and I think we are very lucky to be able to share our thoughts and uh, training methods in these times also. Uh, what do you think about this global situation and how do you think it will change the world of swimming? 
Um, well, I think we gonna break some some barriers here, especially mm-hmm. especially that uh, you know it's not because we just didn't swim for one, two, or three months that our, our season is ruined. You know, because uh, there's so many things out of the water that we can do right now, such as you know mobility, core work, you mm-hmm. know, uh, shoulder strengthening. There's so many things that we don't do it when we we're training that we're able to do it. So it's gonna change a little bit on the uh, approach of coaches. No coach, I think maybe on the war time, but that's way back. I think the science will change a little bit, especially when we see athletes back in the water. And we're going to see, but we have to have a true feedback from the athletes of those who really stay active, how much they actually uh, maintain or actually lost if they didn't do anything. So it's going to be a great indicator. I think it's going to change quite a bit, and especially, you know, watching videos, getting your mind strong. So after that, I think we're going to have, after this whole thing is gone, I think we're going to have a a picture of how much we have improved. In my opinion, it's a, even though we're stuck at home, but we can improve a lot. Um, We can improve a lot. The fitness will come with just within no time, especially for athletes that have been swimming for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe in just two or three months, they're going to be where they are. Mm-hmm. There are not going to be any important competitions, I, I'm pretty sure, in two or three months. So, But all the aspects that we're going to be able to acquire right now, it's going to be unbelievable, especially this word right now, which is very famous, resilience you know the ability of being resilient during the mm-hmm. situation we're going to be able to carry through, through the pool. yeah i mean uh, also uh thanks to technology to instagram you know you see the 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 swimmers uh, doing dryland like crazy doing all the challenges and everything so i believe that uh, the the swimmers will or the, all the athletes will come even stronger than before yeah definitely yeah it is Depends how you see the glass. It's uh, empty or half full, you know. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, On my Insta profile of Swim Venue, I try to show to people the most beautiful swimming venues all over the world. So uh, what is your favorite training and favorite competition pool? Okay, so favorite training pool. I actually do not have one because (laughs) as long as it's outdoors... I can manage as long as it's outdoors. There's this fresh air. There, there are blue skies. It's all good. I, I don't mind at all. I don't mind at all. Uh, favorite competition pools. Uh, then it's very difficult. I usually relate the good pools, good fast pools, on how I swim and how I felt and on how I performed. Mm-hmm. You know. So just thinking here. On a chronologically chronological order, I would say I like the Missouri University of Missouri pool. Okay. University of Missouri pool. Uh-huh. That's where I won the 2008 national title. Uh-huh. Um, I like the Ohio State pool very much, very much. I really enjoy that pool. Let's see. 
well, I'm a backstroker, so for competitions, I'm always gonna like pull with the roof. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I like the real, the real Olympic pool. I really enjoy my experience there. Uh, what else? Well, I enjoy the complex in Dubai, mm-hmm. where there was the World Championships there, and also Doha. Hong Kong is also one of my my favorites too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, there is certainly the difference for backstrokers. Uh, is it very different to compete outdoors from competing indoors for you? I think it changes from different people. Uh, but uh, to swim outdoors, backstrokers usually, mm-hmm. at least they swim with the Swedish goggles because they mm-hmm. can see from their peripheral, yep. the peripheral view. You know, so the, uh, the Swedish goggles allow you to do it. Those new goggles, not really. So at least for me as a backstroker, and I got the tips, I think, from Rendelbaum when I, I got to know him. Mm-hmm. You're always looking, I mean, just, I mean, not turning your head, but just your eyes to the lane rope, the lane line. So, so yeah, and why are you racing in an indoor pool is just easier. You just have to, to look through the roof. But one of the things, too, that dictates if you're going to swim the straight line, if you're crossing your arms, you know, mm. once you start crossing arms, then you swing and swim like Cobra. So yeah. if you have a very aligned stroke, you won't find that much trouble. One pool yeah. that's very challenging to swim backstroke. I don't know if you've been there for the Euro meet is the pool in Luxembourg. Mm. Now the, th- uh, the roof are, ma- are made in diagonal, Arts, so you cannot really know where you're going. So you look at one one uh, at one direction, then you go in a different direction because they're in diagonal arches. So uh-huh. you can't you can you, you can't figure it out. It's very hard. <laughs> right. Uh, let me ask you a few more questions before we wrap it up. So, uh, what was the hardest swim set you have ever swum? I think it was the forty two hundred fly long course. Forty two hundred fly. Long course, yes. Okay. I was, I don't know, 15, 15, 16, 15, not 16, 14, 15, something like that. Crazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was the, that was the longest. And also my longest workout, I think it was about four to five hours. That one that I told you at the beginning, that was a 17K session. Oh, that hurts. I mean, uh, and uh, <laughs> what, because you I was... Know, I didn't know any better. I didn't know any better at that time. I, I actually enjoy because I was uh-huh. like, I, I can do it, you know? So <laughs> Yeah, challenging. I mean, uh, your swimming career brought you to the very beautiful places in all around the world. And uh, your Instagram is full of beautiful travel pictures. <laughs> so uh, yeah. what, is, what was your favorite place and what is your dream destination? Uh, yeah, I've been very, you know, that's something that I never thought I was going to be able to, as we talked about at the beginning of our conversation in high school, I used to say, well, I'm not going to study English. I'm never going to go to, to American. And here I am. I think my wife and I, the other day, we counted the places that I, the countries that I've been, it's about 35, something mm-hmm. like that between 33 and 35. So it's, uh, it's, uh. I'm very fortunate, very grateful for the sport has given to me the 
people that I've met, the cultures that I've met, you know, the places that I was able to go that not many people could do that. Yeah, so, yeah, swimming has given me a lot. But uh, anyways, my favorite place is, it's going to be very unfair if I'm going to say what, huh? but I, I truly enjoy my time in Los Angeles. I really love mm. LA. I can't just say one place. I, I love Los Angeles. I, you know, I like Tokyo a lot. And, you know, I like Stockholm, you know, Stockholm was my first city in Europe where I went for a world cup in 2009, when so many world records were broken. I was just amazed because I've never been. I was in Brazil and I was in uh, in US. Uh, it's totally different architecture, you know, story behind the country. You know, it, it, it was a different beauty. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think those three places that I that I like a lot, just because of different points of view. You know, just LA because. The cool aspect of the city, you know, it's a big city, it's glamorous, and also there's there's beach. Uh, Tokyo, because just everything works so perfectly, and the people are just yeah. so nice and so educated. It, everything works in, in a near perfection, you know? So yeah. I think those, those three places that I can remember, and dream destination, you know? After each travel, I would have a dream destination and I would have achieved. Uh, I think the, after I traveled to Stockholm, I think I wanted to, to travel. Uh, I wanted to get to know Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to, you know, I was very fortunate. I spent once four weeks in Norway and it was unbelievable because that's something that I never thought I would have done. So I was you know, I haven't been to Faroe Island or Greenland, Iceland, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's something I will. I, but now some dream destination for me, believe it or not, I have never been to Italy or Spain. Everybody mm-hmm. goes to those places. You know, I just try to pick the, the wide, you know, wide destination, the most unknown destination. But I think for me right now, it'd be, it would have been Egypt. Jordan and Australia, you know, so those three right now. <laughs> you know that uh, you are, I'm from Slovakia and uh, you yep. have experience to also raise in Slovakia. So how was the experience for you? How did you like the country? Yeah, yeah I've been there three times, you know, racing the Banska Bistrka Cup in 2017, 18, and 19. I was also going to go this year. I had my tickets and all, but, you know, happened this year, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've, I've loved, I love the people. I love the culture, you know, the fans. It's just, it's just unbelievable. People are happy, they're nice, and it's, I really enjoy the country, you know. It's, a, it's a one of a kind, you know. Right, right, right. Nelson, thank you very much for great conversation. I think you brought tremendous value for the audience. Uh, I appreciate your time. Wishing you and your family all the best for the new challenges. And stay safe. And I hope we can catch up uh, soon in the future. Um, and uh, hopefully meet also in Slovakia during the meet in in the middle of Slovakia and Vanska Bistrica. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Sounds good, certainly. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, you know, uh, to spread a little bit more knowledge and spread a little bit more of our sport and try to inspire people and motivate people during this time, which is soon enough we will pass. And, uh, you know, I wish you and your family you know, to stay safe and healthy and, you know, just follow all the precautions must need it, which are, to, which is to stay at home at this time. So yeah. thanks once again. Thank you very much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Swim Venue podcast. If you love the episode, please leave a review on your favorite platform and feel free to message me anytime. Have a great day.